Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with International Justice Mission. Thank you to Philip Calvert and his team for the incredible work they do to bring awareness to the global problem of modern-day slavery. I'm proud to share with my audience that I have formalized my relationship with IGMs for becoming one of their Canadian ambassadors. Why? Because I believe we can end slavery in our lifetime, and I want to use my platform to be part of that mission. For many of you, hearing that statement may be a rallying cry. For the rest, it may be a moment of, wait, what? Slavery? Is that even a thing? For me, up to 12 to 18 months ago, it was the second. I did not even understand the problem or that it existed at the scale that it does. Currently, there are over 40 million people affected by modern-day slavery. 40 million people. After a chance meeting with Philip Calvert, National Director of Development for IGM Canada, my eyes were open to the reality that poor people face the world over, a reality of violence that stops them from ever moving forward in their life. At first, this made me uncomfortable. Then it made me downright mad. But then it gave me hope. It is support of groups like IGM that will allow us to reach the goal of any slavery in our lifetime and give hope to people who may have none. I know this can be an uncomfortable conversation, and that is okay. That's why we're going to go on this journey together. Stay tuned as we host guests from IGM who will help educate us as well as upcoming events that, where we can meet the amazing people that make the work they do a reality. Please join me in supporting this incredible organization by visiting and donating to their cause at www.igm.ca. We will only succeed in any slavery in our lifetime if we work together to make a difference. Hello and a warm collisions YYC welcome to Dr. Gada Nafi. Good morning, doctor. How are you? Mm-hmm. Um, good morning. Hi, Tyler. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Super excited. It's absolutely my pleasure. I was introduced to you, I think, from Billy Rideout at Exergy, someone I've had on the show a couple times and some of the work he was doing. He's like, Tyler, you know who you need to talk to? Which is what I love about Calgary, Alberta, Western Canada. It's one or two degrees of separation at the most. So I have had some guests on before talking about lithium and lithium extraction in Alberta. And as, an, as, as, as something that could be a big part in our future, I was very excited to be able to chat with you. So let's not, let's, let's with no further ado, uh, Litus is, is your company, I'm sorry, uh, reading it directly. And tell us a little bit about what you guys do, what you're all about, your reason for being in the world, and we'll have a conversation from there. Absolutely. So um, as a company, we are a spinoff of the University of Calgary, and we focus on um, Supporting with the energy transition. So our goal is to solve some of the world um, energy problems when it comes to uh, making energy accessible, um, uh, clean extraction methods and and available. And what we do is we focus on lithium extraction in um, as the main uh, component that's being used in uh, electric vehicle batteries. Um, and uh, what we do is, this is the one thing we focus on, but we do have the expertise to extend it to many other minerals and metals in this space. Uh, but we use uh, lithium as the focus. Um, the, the work was really motivated by uh, my background. I come from a wastewater treatment background. And I initially, uh, back in the years before lithium became a problem today, and I'll get into that in a few minutes, I noticed that the extraction is not really very efficient and it wastes a lot of water. And um, uh, coming from a nanotechnology uh, expertise and in, in, in studies, I, I thought there's a huge opportunity for nanotechnology in this space, uh, given that we were focused on water and the challenges in water, but we can also extend that to opportunities in the water as well. And that is lithium and other uh, metals and minerals. Um, so 
traditionally or conventionally, uh, lithium was extracted in Latin America. They would pump the water from the ground, leave it in what they call salars or very shallow ponds to evaporate for a very long time. So it takes about 12 to 18 months before they see a lithium product. And um, that product wasn't even pure or selective. It was uh, a concentration of all the cations in the water equally. And then it had to undergo so many processes to um, separate the lithium, to upgrade it, to uh, battery grade until it goes in the battery. And, you know, that was not very good for the communities around uh, these solars, uh, just uh, with the need of water and not an efficient process because they can only cap to a certain percentages. And uh, that's what we're seeing today. They they plateau. The production from uh, all of these uh, conventional methods has uh, plateaued. So that kind of um, that was interesting to me to say. Well, we can make it more efficient and cleaner. Where if we don't need um, as many processes, reagents, we don't need to evaporate the water. And uh, I also wanted to use the dark lithium extraction method, where we extract lithium directly using a material, and in our case, it's a nanomaterial. Nanomaterial to make it oversimplify, that's a form of filtration rather than this evaporation method that was used, which literally just left everything except the water in place. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a form, you can think of it as a form of grabbing. You can think of it as a metal ah, that okay. just goes in okay. the water and it grabs all of the lithium and only the lithium. So it's very selective to separate the lithium, leaving behind the other cations in the water. So that is one of the tremendous advantages that we have with nanotechnology is that high selectivity um, in the extraction of lithium. And just, again, my own ignorance, and I always love to leave, I don't like to leave any stone unturned. Can you just, nanotechnology, it's a word that gets mm -hmm. thrown around. You hear it, you go, oh, nano, it means small, it's micro. It's this. There's an easy way to jump to what it means. In this case, mm -hmm. that selectivity is that, are you deriving the right product that is going to have a selective nature for lithium? Is this like a programmable technology, thinking about it that way? Just maybe breaking around the nanotechnology a little bit. I'm, I'm curious about the term. Yeah, well, you can think about it as a customizable um, material. Okay. So you come and tell me, I want to remove this comp component from the water. And that component could be anything. In our case, it's lithium, but think of a general mm -hmm. component. You want to remove it. So you customize the material so that it, it only attracts that one component you're focused on and the component of interest. So it's, it's tiny, tiny, tiny particles. So they have huge surface area. They also can penetrate really well in the water. So they reach all the areas. So uh, many advantages over classical uh, components that are really big and that that have trouble going into and reaching all the areas in the water and getting a hold of all the lithium. So when it's really tiny, it's easy for them to go down. It's easy to go to all areas, grab all the lithium in the water, leave behind everything else. That is an issue in separation where all of the other components interfere and you end up grabbing everything with a lot of the other components. Uh, with a nanomaterial, you're able to only customize it so that it attracts lithium or grabs the lithium and nothing else. How does it grab it? Is it is it an ionic? Is like is there some type of a, like what what allows that relationship to join those two molecules together? It, it is an exchange. You can think about it uh, like I referred to earlier, like a magnet that goes in and, and attracts okay. all of these uh, lithium ions from the water, and it is an ionic exchange that that takes place. And you you grab those um, lithium and uh, and leave with them. I, I love it. Just grab them all, put them in your basket, put them grab in your basket, them and, and head for the, and head for the, the door. No, yeah, I love it. I, yeah, no, makes and makes and a lot of sense. Water. Yeah. And so, as a, as a as a group coming out saying, okay, we could do this anywhere. Like you made the you made the point. There's anything you want to extract, you can program this material to do that. You chose lithium because of also I heard 
the, just the sheer amount of waste and, and how poorly it was being done. But obviously yeah. we're on a big demand increase cycle for lithium. Right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I would say that the transition uh, from um, to, ele- to electric vehicles is one of the biggest industrial transitions we have seen in the world. And it's going fast. And all of these companies have made um, predictions and set their goals to go all electrical by 2025 or 2030. And that was based on the promise of mining companies to produce lithium using DLE technologies at a certain rate, which unfortunately we're not seeing today. Uh, a lot of these projects are either put on hold or canceled or delayed. And um, that is really a problem with the scaling of the processes that could have worked early on in the lab, but were not able to scale to commercial applications. And it really goes back to the materials that have been introduced and how fragile they are. Um, So we understand as a company a lot of these challenges. We understand the commercial application and the environment of running uh, such a technology to extract lithium. And we've built a very robust material that has quite a lot of advantages in uh, in, in its um, selectivity, in how it extracts the lithium, in how durable it is, in how long it can last before it needs to be replaced. So we believe that we have a solution that is very, very um, ready to be used in, under real conditions in the field. I appreciate the difference of the lab and the field. And sometimes sometimes the good idea doesn't yes. survive the, the, the light of day. Does this, also, yes, does this also reduce the cost of extraction to make it more financially viable to do it in environments like obviously leading back to how this can affect us here in Alberta? It, it does, absolutely. But I will just go back and say there has been a 500% increase in lithium demand. And when we look at the you know statistics and the curves and how the lithium market is looking like, I have never, ever thought that uh, technologies such as hard rock mining, which are very, very energy intensive, they are um, tough on the environment. They produce a lot of solid waste and a lot of water waste because the way it works is that you have the lithium trapped in rocks. And to release that lithium, you have to heat these rocks to a very high temperature, like 1200 degrees Celsius, for example, and then you release the lithium and then you end up with all of that waste, both solids, water and energy intensive process. So you're not helping anything. And I never thought these would become one of the main sources for lithium. But here we are today just because of the increased demand and we're uh, we're unable to increase production from the uh, brine, uh, um, brine extraction lithium extraction from brine sources, then we went into the hard rock mining. And we're hoping that that technology actually, DLE works and it it starts to help with that demand. And it is a true clean technology that doesn't leave a huge footprint in the environment. So we're we're solving a problem somewhere by going to EVs, but we don't want to create a disaster early on just by extracting that lithium. So um, that is really our goal and, and what we're hoping to achieve. And sometimes when you do read the, the naysayers of this this rapid, like almost out of control EV trend, they're like, well, wait a second, we're not looking at the whole situation. Like you do read the odd article, like the one out of 10 article that goes, hey, wait a second, are we looking at the, the broader picture? And I think that gets glazed over very quickly by a lot of prophesizing and like 2025 is tomorrow <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for all intents and purposes. 2030 is tomorrow for all, for all the purposes of what we're talking about here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And for us, it was important to look at the full life cycle of the lithium extraction all the way from where are you getting the lithium and how is it produced all the way until it's in the battery and operating. So so looking at that full cycle and seeing how can we really be clean and environmental um, and also have something that is efficient and and, um, and financially feasible and works well. It has to check. It has to check all, it has to check all the boxes. Be, so yeah. it's, it's a balance. Can't just be good for the environment. That's what you're looking for. 
so where but, we're at today, and unless something changes in the world, I, I don't believe that auto manufacturers are able to achieve their goals. I believe that they'd only be able to achieve 25 to 30 percent of these goals. But unless something changes, and we're hoping that that change comes soon, and, and we're part of that change, um, these predictions are really not going to take place because there's not enough lithium. Sooner or later, you have to look at your input. Um, 500% increase in demand, how is that correlated to cost? Like, and is, is lithium by the ton? How is, sorry, I, I apologize by ignorance. Is lithium, measured, how is it measured? Um, lithium is sold by the ton. So I'll okay. tell you that first when I started to work on this project years ago, a ton of lithium was $8,000. Okay. And today it's, um, it's around $80,000. So you're okay. talking about a huge increase, which really emphasizes in, in, uh, and is evidence of the problem that we're seeing in the world. Uh, it's volatile based on the supply. And what and what's the time period? Like what's kind of your what's your life cycle from when you started till now in terms of that eight thousand to uh, eighty thousand? You know, I would say in the last three years, two and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, we're so not we're not talking the last thirty years. We're talking the last three no, years. No, no, we're talking only about three years. That's so interesting because it also perpetuates the problem of of EVs becoming a, a luxury item, not accessible to everyone, because the input cost of the of the battery, which is the biggest variable, is going to be exponentially more and more and more expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I'm assuming battery technology isn't advancing as fast as the cost of lithium is also advancing. When you put those, two, like if you correlated that all out on a graph, we're getting better at our batteries, but our cost of our input uh, mineral is exponentially growing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And as the cost, a cost of that battery starts increasing more and more, think of the electric vehicle prices and where those are going to go. So it's, it's not going to be mm-hmm. uh, available or produced as much, but also the price will go up. Well, and they also, I think sometimes there's a risk, specifically like we'll take a brand like Tesla. It's very much been positioned as a luxury, as a signaling item that's not available to the average individual in terms of cost when your entry point is that 50000 and above. And again, that's getting into a bit of another conversation. Yeah. Curious, coming from the world of, of academia, and I, of course I've creeped on your LinkedIn profile and you've spent time in, in public and private in terms of the, the your role. How, any challenges for a university to then commercialize something like this? Like I appreciate academia does academia very well. And the commercial space does that. I'm always curious, and I'm seeing it more and more all the time, the bridge of that jump into commercialization and some of the challenges around that or what you've seen personally on your journey. You know, absolutely. And that's a great question. You know, I always, I remember um, coming to the university to work on my graduate studies. My first question was, why is there such a huge gap between the university and the industry? We see companies having really major challenges and um, um, academics are working to solve some theoretical problems or to uh, push the bubble of knowledge and, and not really working on real problems. And and uh, I was really excited to join a group that was focused on real life um, problems and um, world applications where we're developing um, technologies and solutions to uh, problems in the world and trying to improve that. And uh, it is quite a big transition and it's not an easy one to go from lab scale where everything is, is um, really tiny and small and a lot of um, a lot of solutions can work in the lab, but it's a matter of understanding how to scale that up and how to actually have a unit, an operating unit in the field that still translates that success and solution of the problem. So uh, what leads us so far, we have scaled up two times. We've gone from lab to bench and from bench to a, a pilot or a mini pilot. And right now okay. we're focused on building our demonstration unit, which is a unit that will be built on the field. But not only that, the team has the experience uh, from previous projects and other technologies that has been built and and delivered by the group and currently working in commercial settings to um, understand and predict those 
uh, that transition and work on the problems that come with um, commercializing a product, which is quite an intensive process. So as a company, we're so focused on our product development. We're so focused on what that means and, and everything that is on the critical path to bring us to having an actually commercially operating unit on the field. And um, and really excited to, to be going that, that path. Um, how much engagement have you, have you had with, you know, I guess, how closely do you bring industry into helping the problem? Because you're trying to solve a problem, but ultimately you need to solve their problem so they can commercialize it and make it work. Is Absolutely. that something where you, like, is there a lot of, like, get everybody around the table style approaches that is, to that? That is huge. It's really important that you're building a, a solution where a customer cares about or, or is interested in. So our very yes. first- Sounds so obvious when you say it yeah. aloud. <laughs> you know, you need, I, I don't want to go and it, it needs to be a customer-led solution. It needs to be something yes. that is needed, is wanted, not from our point of view as a company who's developing a product, but from a customer's uh, end or mining company that say, this is what we need to actually be able to extract. So uh, we, we do have um, uh, a few customers that we're working with and we do have, our um, partner that we're building the demo unit with um, and okay. we're working closely with them to kind of uh, understand exactly from a customer point of view what are the needs what what would a product look like and where is it going to go and what is the full um, chain of, of production of that looking in the mining space or oversimplification the extraction industry change management is there an openness is is there a reality that's hitting them as well of we need to do this better and different so many of those industries that are very capital intensive like we've done it a certain way where it's 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 less risky to do it the same way even though we know it's inefficient than it is to try a new way is there any type of you know so many industries are being disrupted whether it's digital transformation over here or just completely being, you know, the need to do things different because of cost and economics. I'm just curious of the openness. And are you met with open arms of, yes, please, we're looking for a better mousetrap or no, 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 we're just going to keep doing it the way we do it. Yeah, that's a really good question, Tyler. And I think it's a really very big question <laughs> in general. And, and I, I, I think I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to divide it up. So um, we're in Alberta. Uh, so you're talking about a very rich geological formation. So we have mm. not only lithium um, in our um, aqueous sources, in our brine sources, but we also have other valuable metals and minerals that can be extracted and be of great value in the world. Um, so when you talk about, okay, well, um, we're all seeing the energy transition. It's happening, whether it's now or later, it, it is happening. And, uh, and, Right now, I mean, maybe at the beginning it was a bit harder um, for companies to say, well, are we transitioning? Well, oil and gas is not going anywhere. It's going to be around. It's going to be around now in the future and for many, many years. But we need we need more. <laughs> so there yes. is no energy, reason why energy, we have the, the quest for energy abundance, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's about that. So um, accessible and abundance. So, um, so, you know, I do see that companies are more open to have conversations about, okay, um, how can we get into the clean tech? What does getting into this uh, extraction mean? And as long as you're able to show them a flow sheet that makes sense, does not really interfere much. I mean, when you think about the oil and gas uh, companies, they're all using water and a lot of it. So it's a matter of, well, are we able to, as a company, integrate um, and build something within that integrates well with their processes without changing anything they're doing, but where they can capitalize on the lithium that they have in their water sources. And of course, that's based on where the source is and how much mm -hmm. lithium they have. And what we do uh, have as a company and our biggest breakthrough is that we're able to extract lithium from low concentration sources, which is 
um, really a huge value because we don't need a lot of lithium to be able to work, but nanomaterial is able to extract lithium from low concentrations. And uh, saying that means oil fields as well as geothermal brine sources. So these are two where we're tapping on and where we actually actively have customers in both of these areas working on extracting the lithium from those low concentrations. So you know, I think of the opportunity and I do see a lot of openness to say, okay, well, how does that, you know, companies are reaching out and, and wondering how can that integrate or does it make sense to them? What does it look from a process flow um, as well as a, as a financial, you know, benefit to the company? So um, there is, you know, quite a lot of support, uh, whether, you know, whether it's from the province or uh, from the country or, uh, if, you know, the channels that we have to support such a transition. It may not be fast enough, which is something that I kind of always to say, you know, the world is going so fast, the U.S. very quickly um, deemed lithium to be a strategic resource and put a whole bunch of limitations and um, are expediting projects in this area where we uh, do have the interest, do have the resources, do have the expertise and uh, years um, of experience and talent. We just kind of need to move a little bit faster because no one will wait for us. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> the future, the future waits for no, the, the future waits for no one. No, no uh, one. <laughs> I'm curious, and you can name names if you want or you don't need to. But the pilot project, the mini pilots that you're doing, is that an Alberta-based project, or are you um, working somewhere is. else in the world? Okay, um, good. That I like is. That. We we have partnered with a company that has resources in Alberta, and we're really excited to have the first unit here. Uh, it is a complex brine source, so we believe that if we're able to show the world how our pilot works here in Alberta, it mm. will work with the higher concentrations in anywhere else. So uh, we're excited to build that. From that perspective, when you look at the global uh, global customer base, do they look to Alberta to say, wow, we know you know what you're doing. We know you have a track record here. If you can do it here, is that a checkbox beside, you, beside it? You know, it's actually the customer we're working with. They actually have resources in Alberta, but also in Argentina and Nevada. So okay, we're hoping to work on that, looking at expanding in other areas as well. And I don't mind um, sharing their name. They're called Helios X. They're a public company. So all the information uh, um, okay, of Helios as well as, uh, their relationship with Letus is available online. I perfect. I, I'm. This is all about naming names because I want people to learn and understand about areas that they yes. might not have been might not have been on their radar. Yes, so I'm curious, as 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 as, as an organ, as a, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, and going back to our introduction, we really read out from Exergy. Uh, Exergy is the company we're hoping to uh, partner with to build the the demo unit. So we're we're currently uh, getting that project going. I love the work that they're doing over there. Billy and I just did an episode where we talked about some of like how they're trying to transition and scale up the 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 mini the, the the pure bench project to how do we get it a little bit more scalable, increase size, but still make it accessible so it doesn't keep people out of trying their new ideas. So as an organization, yeah. kind of what are the top three maybe challenges or things that is it staffing, is it funding, is it getting a sounds like you've got a partner. I'm just curious, thinking about the organizational, just the journey of commercialization and building this out at scale. What are some of the challenges that you're really seeing or even some of the ones you've overcome even recently? That's a really good question. Um, challenges. Oh my, where do I begin? <laughs> uh, well, um, the first three they pump come to mind are probably the right the ones. <laughs> first three, yeah. You know, uh, right now our uh, biggest thing is that we're transitioning into, um, new lab space and new facility. Hmm. And uh, that is a challenge to build something and a lab for Elitis where we can uh, operate, grow, grow the team, grow the space and kind of uh, get some um, independency in, in our work. So that is the very first thing we're working on. We're also working on um, or 
one of, and, and that's that's a challenge. It's a challenge with even ordering equipment, even with <laughs> instruments, with the delays in the world. You know, you go out and you want to buy th- something, you know, you would think that if you have the money, you can get everything you want, but you can have the money <laughs> and place an order and be told it's going to be six to eight weeks before you see anything. And you're like, really? That's a lifetime. Six to eight weeks. Six to eight weeks sounds but... fast. And I thought you were going to say six to eight months. <laughs> well, six to eight weeks. And then you see yes, the course. And, yes, and even course. In, like in our world, six to eight weeks is a long time. And, and that's if you're lucky comes in if that time. Lucky. And then you see delays and then you see more delays and, and things don't fall into place. And some parts you just cannot get. Some some equipment are not there. And, and um, you know, and we're hoping that with Exergy's ability to 3D print, we can get uh, mm. some uh, <laughs> some of those parts printed by them and, and uh, uh, get plugged in our demo unit. So that is one of the challenges we're, we're kind of uh, trying to navigate at the moment. We're also uh, right now in the, in the middle of a race. So we're trying to raise uh, some capital to uh, expedite our growth in the demo a pilot build. Um, so uh, we are, um, we are, we are seeing that a lot of people are away on vacation. Actually, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the second half of August uh, is a tough is know, a tough time to get a hold of decision is. makers. I don't know. I think it's it's been since the the end of July or second half okay. of July. Yeah, but they, people, yeah. I, I I'm I'm starting to think that people are really eager after uh, COVID to all go away. And and now with a lot of the communication, people are gone, and and I'm waiting for September to. Uh, to come back and yes. people to, to, be, to have all these to respond uh, to their emails and answer their yeah to, to to have a to you know revive all these communications and, and get things going so uh, that is uh, that is and from you know, that from, is. from a raise perspective I'm just curious are you focusing on obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of funds and VCs out there that are really focusing as we're a clean tech fund we focus on that area yes. are those the conversations you're having that are gaining traction or is it more broad and across and across the board you, you know and we're looking for a very strategic investor. So, mm, okay, um, okay. you know, someone who can actually um, be a customer or contribute actively in the build of the demo or in, in the growth of the technology. So a strategic partner for us would be, you know, our, our ideal uh, for this round. Um, so, so it's a little bit different than just, just bringing cash in. It's, it's more, well, we need that. those, you know, yeah, those views and the, that input from, uh, from a strategic uh, partner. No, and I think that's a powerful conversation. Like I've heard people say, well, I can find money anywhere, but I need more than money. I need introductions. I need knowledge. I need experience. I need access to certain to customers. certain areas of the I world. Mean, yeah, Comple- the I need access sector. to customers, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the mining I, sector, I, I, you know, I, that background, uh, people who have worked in it. And, and you know, in Alberta, it's, it's, a new, it's a new industry. It's a new sector. So, mm. you, you know, so having all these conversations and looking also at the, at the chain, like, you know, where is that lithium going to go? We produce and then what? Right. So you want you want someone who who's also connected, who's you know who who can have these bigger conversations about where's that looking going to go? Are we going to have anyone here close to where we're at, where we have resources, mm-hmm. build batteries, and what are these companies, and what would attract them to come in and you know and and uh, build something in Alberta? So um, a strategic partner um, investor is really what we'd be looking for and would be the best uh, for Lucas. That makes sense. There's currently, is there any um, EV battery manufacturing in Canada? I don't think there is in Alberta. Is there in Canada? Like, I, it's a kind of a blind spot for me. But I'm just, as I, I'm just thinking out loud as I'm asking. <laughs> you know, I think I think it's evolving, and there, you know, there there are a lot of conversations, and there are a lot of maybe potential. I don't know if today we have any commercial production of EVs. I I would say not yet. 
but hopefully soon. No, <laughs> so. there's like there's hydrogen, there's hydrogen, there's Ballard out of Vancouver for years. I'm just trying to think of who in that space, but I just don't know of any. Anyways, I have some research of my own to do after I get off this call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so just curious from an organizational, from a leader's perspective, you know, this mm-hmm. is an emerging leader. I'm reading your website right now. Application advanced chemistry now for the development of groundbreaking solutions. You've chosen lithium right now. Is that the main and that's what you're focusing on? I'm curious because it, it feels like when I look at your positioning and ton of your value of who you are as an organization, it definitely leaves it open to have positive impact in other areas. Is that something that's even on the radar for you right now? Or is it, no, we still, we've got to stay in our lane and the lane we've chosen, which right now is lithium extraction. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we do expand to other areas and we do have an okay. R&D program that we're looking at things. I mean, um, our focus mm-hmm. at the moment is lithium, but we have, for example, uh, tested uh, lithium extraction from clays. And we've had a customer out of Nevada um, uh, send us some clay, and we were able uh, to double the amount of lithium that comes out of that. So we're we're expanding in lithium from other sources, so not just brine, oh, but from okay. clays, and and um, also exploring how we can integrate with the hard rock mining process to uh, implement uh, our technology as well to extract the lithium with some efficiency. Uh, but also, we have looked at the some of the other um, valuable metals um, in in the water source as well, which, like I said, we have a very rich geological formation, and some of them are really valuable. So we can look at uh, some of these uh, these other metals, and and um, we have looked at uh, specifically another one that was of interest to a customer of ours, and. Um, explored how it would be to um, to work on a nano and customize a nanomaterial that is able to extract this as well as the lithium. So instead of having a plant that is only producing lithium, now they're producing more than once. So your economics right away changes tremendously and, and what you're, you know, you're capable of doing is much more. And it's a, it's a simple uh, change or in the process and, uh, and we have more than one product. So uh, we have been ex- expanding in these areas, but uh, not as advanced as we are and not as focused as we are with the lithium extraction as a first uh, product. It's a curious, geeky question. Can you, two, di- two different nanomaterials working at the same time in the same brine, extracting two different metals, acting completely separate from each other, unrelated, happening simultaneously, not, not in sequence, mm-hmm. like that could happen together? You, you know, like right now, we have introduced more than one uh, material, nanomaterial for the lithium extraction itself. And which one we use is based on what the brine source looks like. And sometimes we have been blending the nanomaterials to work in the same uh, in the same step together simultaneously because one will work so better with a certain concentration than the other one. So it's it's not only one material, but we've introduced a few and we choose which one to use based on the brine source. And we can't even blend them to use together, um, even if they're gradual in, in, you know, in a unit or, or so. So yes, they can work together. Yes, they can work in series or uh, in any other way. And, uh, and it's about the, the process that you're going to introduce for those specific brines. Oh, the art of the possible gets very exciting very quickly. I can see you're smiling as you're talking about it. I clearly <laughs> your area, your area of your area of super exciting. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for sharing and being willing to kind of quote unquote geek out with me a little bit on on my rabbit hole questions from from your financing model to how programmable nanotechnology works. Mm-hmm. Uh, so interesting. I love it. The future uh, the future is here. It's just how it's distributed is the question. So. Uh, Magic wand question. I like to ask this every once in a while, and I am kind of throwing it at you. I don't think I prepped you with this one. 
thinking about Alberta, thinking about lithium extraction, if there was a magic wand that you had, that you could change something in the way that our system functions, whether it's better government policy funding, maybe co companies being more willing, technology being more advanced, what would you do with your magic wand specifically around lithium in Alberta? You know, I would speed up everything. Okay, we, which you said are, earlier, hundred percent. Yes, which I would and say and faster. And it's, it's, <laughs> yes, and it it is really huge. I mean, you know, we talk to a lot of people. There's a lot of willingness, but everything takes a very long time. The cycle of closing anything is so long. The 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 every every bit of a project just takes so long. And I feel that we're as a company, we're trying to go really fast and the ecosystem mm. around us is not supporting that. And okay. the world needs that, that speed. The world needs something to be built quickly, tested. And if we're able to, uh, you know, if we can extract it, let's extract it, let's have that product, let's sh show what we can. Because everything is changing very quickly. And a lot of the goal setting, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, environmental leaders or companies or auto manufacturers or whoever it is, they are making and setting their plans today based on what's available and how the industry is, you know, is performing. And we want to be part of that. We want to be a producer of lithium as a country and we want to have it in commercial scale in large amounts and let's do it. We have everything we need. There's no reason why we wouldn't go fast enough and just build it and, and get going and, and let's do it. And the, the biggest speed bump, is it regulatory? Is it just simply organizations and their fear or apprehension or due diligence process? And to, is there anything specifically? Like if we had a huge state change in terms of legislation or some type of permitting or the way the world looks at it from that way, from from even from major projects, would that move it forward? Or is it literally just, it feels like it's a, it's a little bit of each pillar if we were to lay it all out? I, I think it's each. I think it's it's okay. every, not each. It's every pillar. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Every. yes. Um, <laughs> Um, it's, um, it's in how long, uh, funds get approved. It's in how long, um, you know, of course, all the regulatory, uh, the due diligence, everything, it just takes a long time. And if we're able to look at things faster and, and make those decisions and, and, uh, um, run, I think it will be very beneficial, uh, with what Alberta has in every way from technologies, talent, expertise, workforce, um, you know, I've seen, but a year ago, I started seeing people leaving, they're getting job offers and they're leaving Alberta. And I almost felt like, don't go anywhere. We have a lot in the, in the <laughs> just wait, coming. just wait. It's I coming. promise it'll be just better. Wait, wait. It's, you know, it's coming and, and, you know, you don't want to lose all of this talent. You don't want to lose all of this workforce, the expertise. You, you, you want to kind of, uh, quickly, uh, come up with, with other things and other projects and new prospects and, and interesting, um, things, which we have, it's just a matter of, of, uh, um, proceeding and, and moving along with these uh, projects. I really I appreciate your comment from a talent, a talent preservation or, or stopping that talent exodus. The world is a very small place now. And, and, you know, the expertise that live in Alberta can be recognized and be utilized anywhere in the world. So they're like borders, like it, it's easy. Moving around is easy. <laughs> it's scary yeah. how easy it is actually. Yeah, it's I appreciate easy. that. And there's a personal component after COVID where people also want to change. So it's, it's, they it's did. even easier yes, than did. before. <laughs> so. <laughs> yes. Cause the change management fuse has already been lit. Absolutely. Like, no, I <laughs> yeah. want to see something different. Yeah, uh, Dr. Nevy, thank you so much for coming on. It's such a great conversation. I, I feel we will be chatting again because I feel like I have 30 more questions I want to ask you. I just don't know what they are yet. Um, but I do appreciate you have a busy day. You're trying to change the world uh, through your process. And I love that. So um, uh, litus.ca, L-I-T-U-S.ca. If and someone wants to get a hold of you, have a conversation, 
come and invest, maybe get a job, anything, what's the best way for them to reach out? They can check out your yeah. website. Is there any other, uh, any other means? You know, they can reach me directly. It's Gara, G-H-A-D-A, at Litus.ca. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. I love when people give out yeah. their, their email address. <laughs> we have such a connected world. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Best of luck with everything. And I look yeah, forward to staying, uh, staying up to date on what you guys are up to. It's fantastic. Tyler, yeah. thank you so much for having me in the show. It was such a pleasure and a great conversation. So thanks for that. And uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much. Everyone. Thank you. you. You as well.